Superbrain is a labour of love. Alas, no podcast can survive on love alone. We don't have a sponsor, so we need your support for Superbrain to stay alive and kicking. You can make a one-off donation by following the Support This Show link in the show or episode description. Hello and welcome to Superbrain, the podcast for everyone with a brain. My name is Sabina Brennan and today I will be reading a short extract from my new book, Beating Brain Fog, Your 30-Day Plan to Think Faster, Sharper, Better. I will also be talking to Anna and Joanna, who both live with brain fog and have followed the plan. I should point out that Joanna, the volunteer, and Joanne, the friend I mention in the following extract, are two distinct people. And it's just a coincidence that their names happen to be similar. I have no personal or professional connection with any of the volunteers who have read the book and taken the plan, including Anna and Joanna, who, in fact, I spoke to for the first time when interviewing them for this episode. So I'm going to start with a very short extract and then chat to Anna and Joanna. My friend Joanne confided in me. I feel like I've lost myself to brain fog. I knew exactly what she meant. But I also knew that to anyone who had never experienced brain fog, her words might sound a tad dramatic. I can vouch for the fact that her description is an all too familiar one that echoes the experience of many others who have lived through brain fog, including myself. Patterns of behaviour define us. We humans are creatures of habit. This predictability shapes our personalities. Patsy is always so patient and good natured. John is the life and soul of the party. He's always full of energy. Olive is so witty. She's as sharp as a razor. Amanda is good at everything she turns her hand to. Brain fog can disrupt the patterns that shape our personalities. Our behaviour becomes less predictable. When we behave out of character, we become less recognisable to ourselves and to others. For some, like my friend Joanne, that translates to a feeling of losing themselves. Our relationships can be affected too, as those close to us at home or at work try to make sense of our changed behaviour and abilities, of our new patterns, of who we have become. So last December, I contacted a number of patient groups looking for people living with brain fog who were willing to volunteer to read Beating Brain Fog and follow the 30 day plan. Today, I met two of those volunteers, Anna and Joanna, who share their experience of brain fog, the benefits of reading the book and following the plan. So, Anna, thank you so much for speaking to me today and also for reading the book and being a guinea pig, volunteering to take on the 30-day plan. Can you just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Okay, so I am for, uh, 57. Um, I am a mum of two very lively twin boys. Um, I live in Dublin and I work um, part-time with small businesses in the menopause space. And I uh, was delighted to get an email in my inbox before Christmas um, looking for volunteers to sign up for a brain fog challenge. And I thought, right, that's definitely been me this year. I'm Joanna. I'm a community physiotherapist in Scotland. And before I had COVID, I was at the gym three, four nights a week. I was out walking. I was basically never in. I was seeing friends, family. 
So yes, it's been quite quite a change of pace for my life from having COVID last April was when it first started. I think my brain fog has been with me for like a shadow for about probably um, 10 years. It started with um, pregnancy and then it kind of, that was in my 40s and it then kind of moved on to baby brain in those first few years when the kids aren't sleeping. And then when my boys were two, I had menopause or menopause hit and then that morphed into menopause brain. So um you know, it kind of just never seems to have stopped. And, well, um, yeah. and it's quite gradual as well. Like you kind of don't realize it's it's happening until kind of probably in the last year, I kind of felt like, like you just described earlier, I just did not recognize myself anymore. You know, um, it's quite unnerving that sense of when you kind of lose your sense of self in that way, as you've described very well in the book. So yeah, that was it. And, and my, my symptoms started off probably like all the ones that everybody has a giggle about, you know, the, you put the keys in the fridge, you know, you end up putting dog food in the detergent compartment. So you forget names, you're walking into the room and wondering what the hell am I doing here? And, or you and spray I, um, <laughs> hand sanitizer <laughs> on your hair as I did this morning. <laughs> <laughs> that too. Yeah, that kind. <laughs> I don't think that was brain fog. That was actually just pure. I was in a hurry. You opened the drawer, picked out. I didn't even look read it. Just bad luck. <laughs> bad luck and clean hair. <laughs> yes, yes. That, that kind of thing happened as well. And, and in fact, I think you say in your book somewhere, and I find it very comforting that you paid your visa bill twice. I did. I yes, indeed. <laughs> I thought I've I haven't gone that far yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I paid a visa bill twice on several occasions. I've got cut out with where I thought I'd paid the visa bill and then get really cross. And then I'll say, oh, no, I paid that. I definitely paid that. And then a lot of that. And I try to explain that as well in the book. That's not a memory failure. That's actually just an absent mindedness. That's just a failure of attention. You know, yeah. I was really probably thinking of three other things while I was paying that bill. So it is very, very easy to make a mistake because we can't really multitask. That's an absolute myth. So what we are doing is task switching. Uh, And when you task switch like that, so perhaps I was having a conversation with someone and paying the bill. And when you do that, you become less efficient at both tasks. So you're far better to do tasks in serial. Do one first, finish it, give it your full attention and move on to uh, the next one. So essentially, really, you had brain fog. Can you kind of tell us how that brain fog manifested? Maybe were you forgetting things? Yes. Yeah. So I've always been quite well known for having a good memory, remembering dates, things happen, locations. But yeah, I was struggling to spell words that I'd normally manage, no problem. I couldn't remember where things were. If I was like having a, a short drive, I'd sort of forget where I was driving to. Really? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's just been really, really difficult. And I forget people's birthdays and my friend was getting induced labour and I totally forgot about that, even though she just told me the day before. So, yes, it's had a huge impact on my life. And you mentioned forgetting being able to spell. So that's actually not a memory issue. That's kind of a language issue. So that's kind of, in a way, a different part. So did you have any problems? I've spoken to some people and they not only just had word finding, you know, where they couldn't, you know, we all experience that where you go, oh, what's the, you know, and you kind of, it's on the tip of your tongue and you can't get the word. But also some people with COVID have described an unusual thing and it may not have happened to you. I'm just interested where they not only can't find the word, when they do say the word, it's the wrong word and an unrelated word. (laughs) Did you experience that? 
Yes, a lot of the time. Yeah, I'd be just sort of having a conversation with my mum or, or someone at work and I, I'd just, I'd say one word that just totally changed the whole meaning of the sentence and they wouldn't know what I was talking about. So I think it was quite humorous for some of them, but obviously for me it's... It's kind of a good way to cope with it, but it's a, a serious sign that something is amiss. You know, your brain yeah. should know what the right word is and it's a sign that something is not working correctly and that's kind of one of the key messages that I wanted to get across in the book. In your instance, I'm not surprised that you have brain fog or that other people with long COVID have had brain fog because your body has been assaulted by a very, very serious life-threatening disease. And in order to fight that infection and survive, your brain is got to focus all its energies on saving your life. And that means there isn't enough resources left for your brain to function properly. And it seems that that can take quite some time to resolve. And whilst COVID is new, we know that this kind of thing happens after other serious illnesses, for example, happens um, after someone has survived sepsis. And can often last for months, even up to a year afterwards, which seems to be the experience with long COVID. Going back to what you just said there, really about your experience, my heart goes out to you. I have experienced pregnancy brain, baby brain and menopause brain, but not all in sequence. (laughs) Well, yes, in sequence, but with about 20 odd years in between. So I had my kids in my 20s. So my pregnancy and baby brain would have been then. And then my menopause brain would have been kicking in 20 years later, you know, towards the end of my 40s. What's important there to identify is that it's hormonal imbalance there or hormonal change. And that is something that regularly underlies brain fog. Autoimmune diseases, as I have, regularly underline brain fog. So too do other chronic health conditions and even certain medications. But the key is also that so many lifestyle factors that are under our control are also associated with brain fog. And even if you have a brain fog as a consequence of an underlying condition, they can have knock-on effects. So for example, if you take menopause, if you're having night sweats, you're not going to sleep properly. So even if you have a little bit of an impact on your cognitive function because of the hormonal imbalance, not being able to sleep is going to exaggerate that. And then without sleep, then you're going to feel maybe stressed out more during the day. And that's going to exaggerate that. So if you can actually address the sleep and the stress, the impact that the hormonal part of it is having may not be as big as you think. And it may be much more manageable. And it may be there are strategies that you can put in place or you can focus down to look at whether there's things that you can do lifestyle wise to help manage your hormones better. So how did it feel when you read the book? Did you find new things? Did you find comfort in it? Just even the reading of it, the knowledge of it? Yeah, definitely. I think before I read it, I wasn't really sure that it would help, that it would improve, because I just felt it was so severe and it was having such an impact on my life. Like I had a bit of a knowledge from my job with a few of the sort of the brain functions as well, but it just gave lots of good ideas and things that were easy to implement as well. And it definitely made a difference, even in terms of sleep pattern, eating, just the whole package, really. That's what I wanted to do with people was to give in a clear way an understanding because I think the challenge is and that's what I was very conscious of when writing the book was that when your brain is foggy it's really hard to take in information you know it's mm-hmm. it's it's hard to kind of get your head around it so I kind of was hoping that I managed to do that in a way that made sense and wasn't too challenging to take on board. 
Yeah, no, definitely. Because I mean, sometimes when I was reading the book at night, I was doing a phase return at work and I, I could still sort of read it and understand it clearly, even when I was tired. When I came to read the book, I kind of stopped laughing off those kind of those incidents where you kind of put the keys in the fridge and start to think, well, okay, maybe is, is there something more worrisome here? Because, you know, over 10 years, you're having this constant kind of, it feels like a slight brain decline. What are you going to be like two decades from now, you know? So and when I started the challenge, I identified in the pages of the book some of those more insidious aspects, like, for example, the crippling, you know, low self-confidence that you get when you just can't remember, you know, you're in a meeting or you're in a social situation and you just can't remember key information, not once, twice, but maybe 10 times in the conversation. You know, it's just you feel incompetent and perhaps you sometimes look incompetent and that's bad for your self-confidence, you know. And for me as well, that kind of then impacted on things like, social situations where I wanted to basically turn down invitations because I started to feel incredibly uncomfortable in that situation. You know, I I seem to no longer have the art of conversation, you know, it became much more difficult. Um, So yeah, those things then kind of made me stop and think, actually, look, you know, I have to do something about this. And I hadn't even thought about what, to be honest, other than, you know, this is really bad. Um, And then, as I say, the book kind of gives a structure to how to approach Mm. all those symptoms um, and puts a name on them. And it was things I think like there was, my brain was certainly processing things slower. I had difficulty filtering out distraction. Mm. I found decision-making really hard about the smallest and the biggest things. And then I became a procrastinator about everything, you know, and just dropping the ball a lot. And, And as you said earlier, multitasking is a myth. You can't multitask. All you're doing is you're just shredding your attention into it. Really different pieces and doing everything poorly almost, you know. So, yeah, that was all a bit of a revelation for me, yeah. I noticed in, um, I do work for My Second Spring, which is Ireland's menopause website. And, you know, we have a lot of interaction with women who are sharing their symptoms with each other. And it's a really, really distressing symptom of menopause, you know. So not just me, it's out there. People aren't talking about it, though, but they're starting to. um, Hopefully, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I mean, that's part of what I wanted to do was start this conversation and say it's no different than it's your ankle really in a way and similarly actually in terms of getting better and moving forward you know there's times to rest and let it heal but then you know there's a cost benefit to that because if you rest up too much then you lose function you know there comes a point where you have to get back up on your ankle and even though it's painful you've got to retrain it and really the same applies to brain fog when I gave Joanna the book to read and a couple of other people as well, and we may talk to some of those over the next few weeks too, but when I gave them the book to read, I asked them to complete like a feedback form as they were completing the book and completing the program. What I loved from your feedback, do you mind if I read it? <laughs> I feel that reading this book and taking part in the plan have helped me find the parts of me that I thought may never come back again after being unwell for so long. I now feel that I can continue to progress in my life. And most importantly, I'm starting to feel like me again. And that really jumped out at me because that's one thing that from talking to other people with brain fog is you feel you've lost yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And you also say it's just even some of the simple things. Let me see if I can find this again. Yes. 
has anything changed was a question that I asked. And, and I'm going to read this because I was just so pleased <laughs> <laughs> to verify that these are your words. Uh, yes, many things have changed in a positive way. I no longer forget tasks that I have undertaken, such as multiple shampoos or forgetting I had put conditioner in. I'm now fluent in language when speaking and select correct words for the vast majority of times unless I'm really tired. And I should say that that's very normal. When yeah. we're tired, we forget words. And a lot of the symptoms of brain fog, if you've been missing sleep or haven't been eating properly or overstressed, you'll have them. But the thing with brain fog is you have them persistently. You have them every single day, pretty much. And they do impact on your life. Can I ask you, was there any specific things that you found particularly helpful for you? Yes. So, well, I loved, um, first of all, that it kind of lifted the hood of this thing that we have that's a brain that we know nothing about. And it does all these amazing things for us until it doesn't. And that's probably the, way, the, the time you start looking at it. But I really like the fact that that was written so accessibly because I have um, very, very basic biology from school. So it kept me hooked. It, there was enough and not too much to keep me interested in that part of it. Uh, that was excellent. And then the other thing as well is that, you know, it's kind of a big area to tackle. And the way the book breaks it down into four topics and four weeks just makes it seem very manageable. So I kind of followed um, the plan, um, I suggest a lot of the things, but I, I didn't follow all of them. I have to go back and kind of do a refresh. There's so much you could kind of dig into. But as part of the plan, I started obviously with the sleep aspect, which is week one, and it was immediately transformative. I improved my bedtime, first of all, and my hours of sleep. Um, I used the retire rituals um, that you suggested. You know, everybody will find their own, but for mine, it was simply like, you know, going to bed a bit earlier, using a silk eye mask, uh, lavender, listening to a guided meditation when I could. For other people, it'll be other things. But And I also, before I went to bed, took the suggestion you make in the book of kind of putting down in a journal very quickly, you know, kind of your thoughts. Or, or uh, For me, it was a case of putting down the things that I could take off in the day instead of the things I hadn't. So you kind of almost are emptying your brain, I guess, for the night. I I don't know whether that's what it was, but that's what it felt like to me. Yeah, well, that's exactly what it is. There's huge power in putting something down on paper when it comes to your brain, because if your brain feels that something is important and it's going round and round and round in your brain, it will keep going round in your brain until you do something about it. And so I often say that, look, just put it down on a piece of paper. And that serves a few purposes. You know, when you see something in writing, sometimes you go, oh, actually, that's not really that bad, or there's the solution. But secondly, I find something that works really well, because unfortunately, we, we have such busy lives that throughout the day, we're on the go, on the go, on the go all the time. And we really don't pause for a moment to think. And so what happens is your first pause of the day often is lying down in the bed. And that mm. is when everything from the day starts to go around. That's why I sort of suggest a wind down ritual, even from an hour beforehand, because some of that can happen earlier than you actually kind of going into bed so that you've kind of sorted some of that rather than things going around. And, oh, I forgot to do this. And oh my God, I have to do that. Or, or this is very worrying. You know, lying in bed is not the good time to do that because it will get your stress hormones going and that will prevent you from getting to sleep. So I love the idea of writing down. It's like a gratitude journal or an achievement yeah. journal. Things that made you happy. It can be anything. Three things that made you happy during the day. Three things that you're grateful for. You know what? You will always, no matter how bad your life is, you will always have something to be grateful for. 
And then also what can really help is if you have something that you're really stressing about and it's going round and round in your head, if you write it down on a piece of paper or, you know, have your little journal with a to-do list or put it on your computer, whatever, and you say, right, I'm going to tackle that at three o'clock on Tuesday, then your brain knows you've made an appointment, you've set a time where you're going to deal with that. And so if it comes back into your brain as you're trying to sleep, you can say, no, that's sorted. I'm dealing with that. I've made an appointment with myself for Tuesday to sort that. And just that simple thing, your brain can be very obedient, but you have to sort of take control and tell it, or you have to name, you know, as thoughts come in, you kind of go, yeah, fair enough. That's a worry. But how likely is that to happen? Let's push it to the side um, or whatever. So that wind down routine is very important. You know, if you were to just get your sleep sorted, that would just make a huge difference to your cognitive functioning. I cannot tell you how much it means to me to hear these women share how the plan has helped them to regain their sense of self and restore hope as well as clarity to their lives. Beating Brain Fog is available in print, ebook, and on audio, read by me, and is on sale wherever you buy books. If you'd like to share your experience of brain fog, please join my private Beating Brain Fog Facebook group. I'll be doing Facebook Live events each week to join in the conversation, share my experiences and answer any questions you might have. If you fancy following the plan as part of an online community, we'll be kicking off the 30 days on March 14th. So grab yourself a copy of the book now and get reading and get ready to cut through that fog so that you can think faster, sharper, better. Links are in the show notes and in my Twitter and Insta bios. Follow me, Sabina Brennan on Insta and at Sabina underscore Brennan on Twitter and search for the Beating Brain Fog group on Facebook. Tune in on Monday when I will be chatting to the fantabulous Meg Matthews about her new book, The New Hot, which is all about navigating the menopause with attitude and style. Special thanks again to Anna and Joanna for sharing their experiences. If you enjoy the Super Brain podcast, please, please, please take a second to rate it or review it. It makes a huge difference and helps alert others to the podcast. My name is Sabina Brennan and you have been listening to Super Brain, the podcast for everyone with a brain.